Welcome to Hetfield Christian Church. My name is Litsulo and I'm one of the pastors here at Hetfield. Today is Women's Day. Ladies, we celebrate you and thank you for everything that you add to our community and to our world. Our ladies' discipleship team will be presenting a webinar series every Thursday during August called Women Who Pray, and we would love to have you join us as we unpack the beautiful, powerful truth around prayer. We are privileged to have Bishop Tony Miller as guest speaker with us this morning. But before we hear from Tony, today is the start of our Faith Promise pledge season. The one time in the year we ask you to consider what God is asking you to pledge to Faith Promise, a fund directed towards bringing change across the street and across the globe. After a time of worship, we will be talking with Liana from the Hetfield Children's Homes and Jackie from our Winter Warehouse, who will tell us more about what the Hetfield initiatives do and how they change many people's lives on a daily basis. Did you know that Faith Promise was launched 37 years ago and has raised over 110 million rand? That's awesome! In 2019, just over 5.5 million rand was pledged to the fund, and we are on track for 100% of the pledge amount to be received. We have faith for a pledge of 6 million rand this year. Go to the link in the description below to find out how you can give to see change in 2020. Now, let's focus on the Lord as we worship together. Let's fill the city with the songs of heaven. Our joyful noise makes the darkness flee. And as we praise Him, Establish the place for His glory. Let's join the angels as we really come to worship. Our lives abandoned to the Father's call, and with a hunger to see Jesus lift. Why we'll never stop praising you 
this morning as we give worship unto the Lord and I trust that as you worship him that there's a shift and a change in the atmosphere in your home and as you give him this glory and you pour out your heart in love and praise to him and we cry to the Lord Hosanna Hosanna to the King of Kings that you say Lord you are my King you are my God you're the one that I delight in, and I want to give you the praise and glory. So let's sing Hosanna this morning and give glory to His name.
God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here with us. We are not alone. With you, God, all things are possible. We thank you, Lord. You're strong and mighty, good Father, Lord and Savior. And everyone needs compassion. Love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me And everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a Savior The hope of nations Savior, He can move the mind my God. 
God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. The author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave So take me as you find All my fears and failures Fill my life Give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Oh, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever. The author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the If I call, will you come? And when I cry, do you hear? And I believe every tear is caught up by your faithful God. So I Cry until you come Cast my cares into your arms and I can't see past this storm But I'm counting on a faithful God Faithful 
faithful, faithful God. And I know that even despite all the challenges you may be facing, that it is your testimony that God is faithful. So let's just pray together and thank the Lord for His faithfulness. Father, we thank You that You are faithful. And Your faithfulness has been with us during this time as we've had it in the past and we know that You will continue to be faithful to us no matter what comes in the future. We love You, Lord, and we appreciate You and we thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Part of our joy and our privilege and our pleasure in this time is to worship the Lord through our giving, our paying our tithes and giving our offerings. And I want to invite you right now to continue to respond to the Lord's faithfulness through your generous giving. And thank you for how you have been giving so faithfully and so generously. So right now on the screen, you'll see the bank details come and you make use of that. You pay directly into the bank account or you can use the snap scan and just follow the prompt there to give in that way also. So thank you for your giving and won't you get ready to give right now. 
What if we told you that you have a superpower, that we all do, a God-given gift so wonderful it could transform an entire nation, empower our future leaders, even feed hundreds, no, thousands of hungry mouths with one action, a pledged partnership with God and us. It all starts with kindness, a promise, and a little bit of faith. This is more than a donation. It's a two-way promise. Your promise to God to be the conduit of change through your pledge and our promise to you of transparency, trust, and honesty. This is about realizing your ability to give, no matter the amount, and be part of a bigger movement of change for those who need it most. Because solving the problems across the globe begins with solving the problems across the street. If you can change a life, a single life, then that life can change a family, that family can change a community, and that community can change a nation. Perhaps, together, we can even change the world. But don't take our word for it. Take it from the young boy who now has a family for life, the broken-spirited teen who now has the courage to dream, or one of our missionary families who spread God's word thanks to the 110 million rand raised over the past 37 years and growing. You are the hero. We're simply the facilitators, the custodians of your generosity, who make sure every last cent you donate ends up in one of our streams of change each geared to implement the good our world needs. All this starts here, today, with you. Be a part of something bigger. Give to see change. Join our journey from across the street to across the globe. With me today is Pastor Louis, our senior pastor. Good Hi. morning. Morning. And we are also with Liana from our Hatfield Children's Homes. Hello, Liana. Hello. We also have Jackie from the Winter Warehouse. Good morning. They're here to talk to us about the Hatfield initiatives, which are funded by Faith Promise. But before we get to that, Pastor Louis, can you share some of the highlights from the 2019 pledge season with us? I mean, Faith Promise is always a highlight. And I think particularly the fact that Hatfield people pledge and then always fulfill the pledge 100% and even more. And this year is no different. So that to me is amazing. That, and, uh, you know, the generosity of people makes it possible for so many things to happen and change to come about right here in our own city, in our own context, across the street and across the globe. When we talk about Hatfield initiatives, that's always a highlight because those are our own homegrown projects that we all get to be part of and happens right here in our midst. And those includes the children's homes. Um, the initiatives we had this year, a lot of the COVID-19 initiatives, it includes prison ministry, hospital ministries, we have students that we help with their studies, we have outreaches that take place, our Christian network that we support, um, many different projects that happen mm. through the, uh, that are part of the homegrown initiatives from Hatfield Year. And those are, are great highlights. But this year being such a unique year, obviously, our COVID-19 response was a, was a huge part. Mm. And uh, through Faith Promise, we were able to give 816,000 Rand sure. towards relief initiatives for people that were needing it during this time. And uh, that money went towards just helping people, housing the homeless at Westerlich, which was a really special project for us to see and what happened there. We gave some to the President's Solidarity Fund. 1,200 blankets was given during this winter time. We assisted pastors that were in need and even other churches, people from churches that were, uh, that were just needing food and some, some care that they needed. We helped families uh, and uh, distributed food and supplies through our missionaries in different parts of the world. Mm. Uh, and we made sure that people that were undocumented, refugee people, also got some food during this time. Uh, and uh, then obviously our winter warehouse, which Jackie will tell us a bit more about later, was a really special project to see our community bring food and that being distributed. So this was really a highlight during sure. this year and a wonderful sounds time like that we did. Yeah. Thank you for that, Pastor Louis. That sounds like quite a lot that the Faith Promise is already doing. Liana, can you tell us a little bit more about the children's homes? Yes, certainly. Um, the homes were started, of course, in 2007 because Hatfield had a real heart to make a practical hands-on difference in the lives of children at risk. We started with the Naledi home and shortly after that we opened the foster homes Little Angels and JB's homes. 
um, this year or um, currently our endeavor is to come alongside our, our Hatfield community and to see how we can enable foster families to do what they do best. And what they do best is to take children within their own families and help them and love them and raise them up as their very own children. So that's really what we are focusing on at the moment. Um, I think in terms of success, um, success to us is always tied really to the life of a child. If we can take in a little one who came to us specifically for safety and we can release them in, into adulthood as a well-balanced whole individual who can start his own family and make a good job out of that, that's what is success for us. Wow. So yeah, and that's we, we're very grateful to the Lord that we can do that one child at a time. Thank you for that, Liana. Jackie, can you tell us a little bit more about the Winter Warehouse? What do you guys do? Well, a direct result of the COVID-19, um, we noticed that our congregation members or direct community was really struggling. So uh, we took some of the Faith Promise money and um, we started, we set up a, a venue uh, with the COVID regulations, of course. Um, social distancing, uh, and then we invited our community um, and our congregation to, to bring whatever they could, food, clothing, toiletries, and the response was astounding. Sure. I mean, people are still, it's pouring in. People are paying into the account. People are bringing every week, wow. um, and it's just, it's, it's coming. Um, I think for me, the highlight is the when the ministries come and they come and collect, they, the, they on the beneficiary side, um, they come and collect the food and clothing for the people that's in need. So they know exactly what they're looking for. Um, the people's needs are net, met. And um, yeah, it's just so successful. It's just wonderful to see the love. Thank you, Jackie. Let's have a look at the clip of the Homeless Project. Hello family, I'm here on site at the Westerlich Temporary Homeless Shelter, which took in 18 older men on the 1st of April. By the time you hear this, we will be in our ninth week of running the shelter for our remaining 16 guests. Thanks to your generosity, at the end of last year's Faith Promise season, a substantial portion of funds were allocated as an emergency relief fund. As a result of the COVID-19 global pandemic and subsequent national lockdown, it became evident that homeless people throughout our country would not have any form of shelter to self-isolate and have access to the most basic human needs. Homelessness has never been as visible as it is now. Hatfield contributed a generous and essential amount of 100,000 Rand toward the plight of the homeless within our city and seconded me to function as the site manager of the Westerlich Temporary Homeless Shelter in Woodcliffe Glen. This 100,000 Rand made it possible for at least eight other such sites to be activated and for many homeless people to have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to regain their lives through the intensive, coordinated social and medical support offered at each site. In regards to the Oesterlich shelter, we have managed to secure identification documents, bank accounts and the social relief of distress grants for almost all 16 men, including one pension grant. We have also managed to make contact with almost all the families and will reunite at least two-thirds of our men with their families. It is an honor to be part of this historical intervention for homeless people across our city and country, and your Faith Promise money has enabled this to reach many more homeless people and help them regain their lives. With deep gratitude, we thank you. Wow, that is just incredible. The lives that were touched and the lives that were changed by and through the Hatfield initiatives. But I have a question for you, Liana. Tell me, are all these in Hatfield initiatives supported and funded by the Faith Promise Pledge? The startup cost of most of the projects were definitely covered by Faith Promise and Faith Promise continues to give towards the projects to keep it going. Um, some of our bigger projects have become less dependent on Faith Promise funding, which is wonderful, but Faith Promise continues to be their biggest donator. Thank you, Liana. 
Pastor Louis, we can see the amazing work the Lord does through Faith Promise Fund. But how do we decide how much do we pledge, especially in these times where things are so hard and so tough financially? Well, it's always a step of faith. So the process for us begins with waiting on the Lord and asking Him how much does He want us to trust Him for so that we will step out and trust the Lord for that money to come in over the, in that year. Normally, it's most of us, we'll do it over a 12-month period. We'll pl pledge a bit every month, and then we put our faith out, and we trust the Lord for that. And, and you're so right. These are challenging times that we're living in. But, you know, as followers of Christ, we want to be growing and doing our out and our outward focus and our giving especially also during difficult times you know we always talk about being followers of Christ as up loving God loving in our community of faith and out and there's no season where we don't want to be active in our out we mm. always want to go yeah. and do things and we tr and that's why it's important now even again to ask the Lord to trust the Lord for what does he want us to give and we remember that this this pledge that we're doing is not part of our tithe. It's not part of our offering. This is something separate. Yes. And that's how it's functioned for 37 years. And that's why Hatfield as a community has been able to give more than 110 million rand because it's been faith. It's been our faith project. And that's been amazing. And I want to encourage every person that there's no amount that's too small. Every little bit counts. And that's why our theme for this year is every cup counts, where mm. the scripture says, even a glass of water given in my name is so powerful. Mm. So, Go boldly before the Lord. Ask Him, what must I give? And uh, then put out your faith to fulfill the pledge. And we've all seen it, how faithful the Lord's been. It's been an amazing journey so far. Sure, that's amazing. Thank you, Pastor Louis. How do we fill out this card this year? Well, this year is obviously a little different because we are not in our physical spaces. We're doing it digitally. So you will need to go to our website and there's a big red banner that you will click on and that'll help you with the process. You can also, there's a number that'll come on your screen where you can send an SMS to and just on the SMS, uh, just give us your name and the amount you wanna pledge and is that amount a once-off amount or a monthly amount and then our team will contact you within the next couple of weeks, uh, within the next week or, uh, and so, and they will get more info from you. And uh, so it's very easy to do the pledge this year. Uh, most of us are used to it, uh, but this year we just do it on a digital platform completely. Thank you, Pastor Louis. Liana, tell me a little bit, what would you guys like to achieve as the head for children homes this year? I can think of two things definitely. One is to come alongside the foster families a bit better, um, to help them to get a, a very good understanding in terms of how the homes can help them, how the homes can enable them to take in more children. Um, the second thing would be the children that leaves our care after 15. Um, we've had some of them do a discipleship year. We would love for all of them to be able to do something like that or to go on with tertiary education. So the plan would be to be very deliberate about the life beyond just within the children's home and how to capacitate them in that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Liana. And for you, Jackie, what would you guys like to achieve in the winter warehouse? We would love to take it further than winter and make it a Hatfield warehouse sure. uh, and then to make it a more permanent fixture and to help more people. So we ask people to continue to give generously so that we can bless people. Thank you guys for coming through and to share with us a little bit more about Hatfield Initiatives. Pastor Louis? Won't you just get ready right now to open up your hearts to receive the word as it's given to us by a good friend, long-standing friend of Hatfield, Bishop Tony Miller, all the way from Oklahoma City in the United States. He's going to be sharing the word with us and uh, just preparing us to respond to the Lord during this season. So let's get ready for the word. Hello friends, what a great joy it is for me to be able to join with you today in what I believe is probably one of the great opportunities and seasons of Hatfield Church and Hatfield South. And I'm honored to be able to be your guest and to be a part today. I've considered the ministries of Hatfield and Hatfield South to be some of the most significant life-changing ministries that I've ever experienced in my life. I've had the joy of being uh, there multiple times and to participate again today is just a real delight for me. Pastor Louie and Pastor Natasha, I just want to say to you what incredible leaders you are. 
what's happening at Hatfield through your leadership and your team and the uh, ministry there is just uh, impeccable in its character, but the impact and the far reach of it is something that the whole world is better because of you. And I want to say thank you to the people today that make up Hatfield Church. Listen to me closely. There are a lot of dreamers. There's a lot of people that have great visions. But without people that are boots on the ground, hands to the plow, people that engage the vision and the work, they never become reality. And one thing I know about this church is that you've been willing to embrace the vision and you've been willing to be a part of changing the world. I had the joy several years ago to participate in this missions conference endeavor that has been a part of your history for so many years. And my heart was overwhelmed. In fact, I went back to my hotel room and was moved with tears at the response of such incredible people as you made your pledges that day. And the staff shared with me how much money was given. And I realized, here's what I, here's what I realized that day. And just before I begin, I just want to say this. I realized that for every rand that you gave, a life was changed. Every time you give, somebody's life is changed. So I want to say thank you up front for participating in what I believe is an impact ministry that's going to change lives, whether it's on a local level, a continent level, or a global level. God's using you to make a difference in the world. You know, one of the things that we recognize is that the drama of human existence and experience is played out on a stage called culture. Paul actually makes mention of this in the Message Bible. It says it this way. We're actors on a stage in a play that nobody wants to buy a ticket for. Because the reality is, is that while human experience is played out on a stage called culture, I don't get to choose the culture I'm born into. In fact, the Bible says that my times are determined by God. So that means he boundaried my life with a word of God that produced faith or opportunities for me to be significant and make an impact in the generation in which I live. For all of you today, I just want to say to you, the spirit of the age in which we live in, there's, this is the most unusual time in history. I've been leading for 42 years. I've been leading a local church. I've had ministry in over 80 nations of the world where I've preached and uh, over 150 by television. But here's what I've recognized. There has never been a day like today. It's one of the most significant times in history. And here's what I want you to know. Don't miss what I'm about to say. The spirit of the age is not necessarily the enemy. The spirit of the age is the context, the framework through which the Holy Spirit chooses to use you and I to see the world changed and to see his power to be unleashed. I want to talk to you today out of the book of John. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to John chapter 4. I'll be by, that, by there in just a minute. The Gospel of John is an amazing book. And sometimes when we read passages we're very, very familiar with, I'm going to go to a passage today that you're very familiar with. But oftentimes we read the Bible and we read it out of the places we've underlined. So we mark certain places in our Bible because we know what this story says and we pass by significant things. <clears throat> the writer of the book of John was the youngest disciple when Jesus was on the earth and he lived to be the oldest. He's the only one of the disciples that died a natural death. And so John is writing several decades after these experiences happened and he's looking back trying to remember and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is putting together all the pieces of a story that becomes a very significant story for you and I today. And the one thing about John's writing style is this, is that when John writes, it's important that you read what he said, but it's also important that you examine the passage for what wasn't said. Because sometimes by leaving signs within the text, He's delivering a message to you and I in what wasn't said. In John chapter 4, let me set the stage before I read the passage. In John chapter 4, Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's got his, 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 his young interns 
who he's trying to train. He's called them to be with him. He's getting ready to release them to the world. And he says to them these words, we must go through Samaria. Come on, just say that with me. We must go through Samaria. I don't know what that would be for you. I don't know what Samaria means for you. I could probably make up some names. But literally what he was saying was, there's a closer route to where we want to go, but I'm about to take you through a longer pathway, and I'm going to take you through a place that you're not comfortable with. He had two reasons for going to Samaria. We found out. One of them is very obvious. When you read John chapter 4, it jumps out. It's the passage that talks about the woman at the well. And so we know that the first reason that Jesus went through Samaria was because he needed to encounter a woman who was desperate for her life to be changed and for her future to be rerouted. So Jesus, in order to do that for her, takes his ministry team, and rather than going directly to where he wants to go, he goes way out of the way down to the Jordan Valley, towards the Jordan Valley, and begins to make his way up to Samaria. But there's another reason. He goes through Samaria because to his disciples, who were all Jewish, the Samaritans were the most unnecessary, illiterate, crazy people they knew. In fact, they're the kind of people you would not have invited to the party. In fact, you would have went out of your way to disadvantage them. And he takes his disciples through Samaria because he's about to confront a mindset that if it's not addressed, the gospel will never make an advance. And he's saying to his, to his young disciples, He's saying, guys, I'm going to take you through territory you don't like. I'm going to take you to people you think are the least important and sometimes the most despised of all the people in your life. They're the people that when you see them on the street, you walk on the other side. They're the people when they move into your neighborhood, you go, oh, no, here goes the neighborhood. Because nobody wanted to spend time with the Samaritans. But in John chapter 4, he takes them there. Now watch this. He takes them there for an individual, and he takes them there to confront a mindset intentionally. So I'm going to pick it up and begin to read in, in verse number 27. I'm reading from the NIV. It said, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Make note of that. He was talking with a woman. But here's the next big statement. But no one asked. No one asked, why, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the towns and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, let's get something to eat. But he said to them, I have food that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look. Say that with me. Open your eyes and look. Say it again. Open your eyes and look on the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us today. Now watch this. John is writing this account, and he said, we came back. The disciples had gone into this little village. They came back out, and when they came back out, Jesus had sat down on this well because he was tired. It was the middle of the day, and they had been walking for several hours. And he sets down on this well, and there comes a woman to draw water in the middle of the day. Wow. And John says, we remember that when he was talking to that lady, we showed up and thought two things. Number one, why is he talking to a woman? But he then asked himself a rhetorical question, which I want to ask you today. He asked them, 
What do you want? He said, Jesus, nobody ever asked you. What do you want? Do you need anything? Why are you talking to this lady? Why would you break such customary cultural traditions to be talking to this lady? Do you know what? I've, I've been to Hatfield many times. And every time I've been there, you've got amazing serve teams and host teams. And the people that have served me, whether they were driving me, taking me to the hotel, or even while I was in the building, I bet I've been walked up to five, six, seven, eight times in one service and said, Bishop, is there anything we can get you? Is there anything you need? Is there anything we can do for you? And I'm thinking if the, if the people of Hatfield can treat me in such a way where they just want to know, is there anything I can do? Is there anything you need? I wonder what would happen today if we take just a moment and ask the question, Jesus, is there anything you need? Is there anything you want? Is there something maybe I could do to serve you? At this point, the lady leaves her water pots. And let me just say something about this lady. First of all, we know that already this lady has, has had some major issues in her life because ladies didn't come at noon to draw water. Ladies came early in the morning and they came in groups. So the very fact, none of that's said to us, but it's meant to be understood. This lady is marked, her life is marked because of what we don't see in the scripture, but what we know. Ladies came early in the morning and they came in groups. It was sort of like the, it was like the, uh, the Facebook of, of, the old, of the New Testament. I mean, they, they walked up and rather than scrolling and trolling each other uh, or just catching up on their friends on Facebook, they just walked to the well together. And while they were getting water out, they talked about the events of the day, kids, what's going on in your life. And the very fact that this woman was not with the other ladies meant that she was not welcomed in their social circles. And she was not welcomed in their social circles because she was different than them. There was something about her life that caused her to be an outcast. That caused her to be set out, disillusioned, and even disenfranchised. But Jesus sets down a well and begins to talk to her. And the Bible says that after having this conversation with her, he then sits there on the well while she leaves her water pots and walks back into the village. And as she's going back into the village, here comes these disciples out and they see him having this conversation. So get the picture. The lady is preparing to leave to go back in the village. The, the disciples are coming from that direction and they see him doing this, talking to a lady. They're thinking he's a rabbi. He's a holy man. He would never talk to these people. He would never cross those kind of cultural barriers. Listen to me. He would never cross those cultural barriers, those, those things that were taboo. He would never cross. But for some reason, he crossed them that day. The Bible says she goes on back into town. But watch this closely. Then... All of a sudden, they walk up to Jesus and they say, what, what, what's going on? And watch this. And Jesus sees this lady going back into town. She tells them in the town, come meet a man. Come meet a man that told me everything. I found the answer of my life. She actually had, had five husbands. And the one she was presently living with was not her husband. We don't know what had caused the tragedy of her life, but let me just say this. She was marked as undesirable. But Jesus had become the man she was really looking for. And the Bible says that when the disciples showed up, they didn't care what he was talking to her about. They didn't care what was going on in her life. They had no intention of paying attention to her. So when the disciples showed up, here's what they said. Oh, it's lunchtime. Jesus, you want to get something to eat? Can you believe this? Jesus is about to make a cultural change that's going to shift the entire New Testament narrative. And all they can think about is, it's lunchtime. Let's, let's go to a restaurant. Can we go get something to eat? Jesus says to them, watch this. He says to them, I have food that you don't know anything about. And then this is one of the funniest passages in, in the New Testament to me. Then they say to each other, did somebody bring him lunch and not let us know? How did he get lunch 
and we not get invited. And Jesus said to them, guys, you don't get it. You don't see it right now. But I've got food that is way more important than the food you're talking about. And here's my food. Watch this. Here's my, my food. My food is to finish. I am fulfilled, nurtured, and satisfied with finishing the work of my father. I get an opportunity to help advance the, the cause. I get a chance to complete what I've been given to do. You know what? I can't change the whole world, but I can change the world I live in. I can begin to say, it is my food. It's what nurtures me to be able to fulfill and to finish the work that my Father's given me to do. Can I say something to you today very boldly? If you believe that the 21st century, we're going to move the kingdom forward and it's not going to be work, you have missed the whole message of the gospel. People for decades and centuries have embraced the call of God and they've prayed prayers like this, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And what they did with their life was they laid it down for the cause of other people and they were willing to step in the gap between the big barriers and they were willing to climb over the cultural barriers at their own risk and their own sacrifice in order to finish the work. But listen to me closely. Here's the thing that becomes so evident to us in this passage is those guys came up, listen, don't miss this. Those guys came up and saw Jesus talking, but they didn't recognize what they saw. Don't miss this. You see with your eyes or through your eyes, but you don't see with your eyes. Let me say that again. You see through your eyes, but you don't see with your eyes. Your eyes don't tell you what you're looking at. Your eyes capture light rays. They go to your optic nerve, ends up in your brain stem, and then it tells you how to respond to what you're looking at. But listen closely. But your eyes only capture light rays. It's your mind that tells you what you're looking at. That's why there are people today that have lives that are filled with power, filled with grace, filled with opportunity, but because they can't see it, they never enter into it. Like these disciples, they begin to think other things are far more valuable. It's more important that I go get lunch. It's more important I build my business. It's more important that I somehow do some things that I think are big deals. And I don't perceive the moment. Jesus, in Luke 19, pray, he prayed over a city called Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish you understood what, what it was that made for peace. I'm in the midst of you. But you don't even see it. And watch this. He says, you're missing your visitation because you didn't recognize the day that was at hand. Recognize. Isaiah said it this way. Behold, I do a new thing. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Behold, I do a new thing. It will spring forth. Watch this. Here's the next question. Will you not be aware of it? It must be possible to be right in the midst of everything you've been praying for and not notice it. See, Jesus had already talked to these men about being fishers of men, about being. How many of you know that that fishers are literally we call them in America, we call them anglers. They, they are people that 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 that's one of the one of the words that's used for fishing is angling. And so what what happens is Christians are really countercultural. They're at an angle from the rest of the world system. See, it's OK for the world to walk by homeless people. It's OK for the world to reject the poor. It's OK for the world to say to people of addiction, then live in your addiction. You made your bed lay in it. It's OK to say to the world that racial t for the world to say racial tension is going to exist always. You live in your neighborhood. I live in my neighborhood, but the Christian world, those who are Christ followers, see the world from a different perspective. They have a different angle and they can't leave a woman at a well who is disadvantaged alone. They can't leave her in a place without giving her the good news of Jesus Christ. Wow. What part do you play? Maybe we need to begin to ask ourselves this question. What am I seeing? That's why Jesus looked at these guys and said, open your eyes. 
You're worried about lunch. You're worried about structure. You're worried about the conference. You're worried about how we're going to get this done. He said, you're living right in the very midst of what I called you for. And you're not recognizing it. The word recognize comes from a word to recognate. To the cognitive skills of your life or how you process information. Re means to do again, to process it again. So when you, when God's spirit begins to move in your life, here's what he does. He comes to recognize your thinking so that instead of looking at things as problems, you look at them as opportunities. Instead of looking at things as barriers, you look at them as, as things where Jesus can show up strong. So Jesus comes along and he says, to these guys, look, open your eyes. Because listen to me, you'll never become responsible for anything you don't see. It's easy to become blinded by our own needs, our own crisis, our own desires. But what happens when we pray and say, God, open my eyes. See, God didn't fix you just so you could live a life that was blessed. He, he, he changed your life to make you functional so you could make a difference. You know what that means? That means he loved us so we can love the world. He blessed us so we can bless the world. He healed us so we can help heal the world. Don't live in isolation. I want to say this to you just before we go. I believe with all of my heart, a couple of things need to happen. First of all, I'm going to ask you today, we have to take personal responsibility. You can say, well... Hatfield and Hatfield South, they're going to get it done. We're going to get the things done. No, no, no. Hatfield and Hatfield South is you. Brick and mortar doesn't change the world. It's people. So I'm going to ask you to take personal responsibility for the world you live in. I'm going to ask you to take personal responsibility for saying we need to see the kingdom move forward. As long as people are lost, I have a responsibility to win the world. Second of all, I'm going to ask you to build personal relationships. I'm going to ask you to begin to take this season of COVID, tension, social unrest, economic collapse. I'm going to ask you to take this environment that you were born into for such a time as this and build personal relationships with people. Because guess what? When the church desires to connect before they correct, we get an opportunity to change people's hearts. I believe with all of my heart, number three, third thing I want you to know is you have a story. So how do you tell it? Begin to tell your story. This lady didn't have a theological degree. She just said, come meet a man who tells me everything my life has ever been about. As I get ready to close today, here's what I want you to do. In this season, Hatfield is about to make a major advance. It is not the results. God didn't say this. He didn't say, well, I want you to go reach the world as long as everything is going well. He didn't say, I want you to go reach the world if there's no pandemic and no difficulty. He didn't say, I want you to fulfill your mission and your purpose as long as there's not an economic crisis. He just said, I want you to go. I want you to take personal responsibility for seeing to it that my kingdom makes an advance. Listen, I believe with all of my heart that you and I get a chance to invest. And every little bit matters. You say, well, I don't have a huge gift, Bishop. It doesn't matter. God takes your little bit and turns it into much. Generosity. Listen, don't miss this. Generosity is your protest against greed, selfishness, and consumerism. And when you choose to be generous, what you do is you say to God, you say, I'm believing you're my source. And if you'll flow it into my life, I'll flow it through my life. Here's why. I'm willing to invest my hands in reaching for those that are sick and bound. I'm willing to use my voice. I'm, I'm willing to invest my voice to speak for those who can't speak. I'm willing to invest in a community of believers who can stand united as one people to say, no, our nation is going to be one to Christ. Our world's coming to Jesus. 
And I'm willing to invest my resources so the kingdom can move forward. Let me ask you a question today. What do you see? Lift up your eyes and see, look, the world is ripe for a move of God. Father, I pray today in Jesus' name that you'll speak to hearts all over Hatfield, Hatfield South, and that we'll realize that our investment in your kingdom is eternal and lives are being changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Bishop Tony Miller. Pastor Louis, tell me, what do you think about the sermon? Well, I think that was a, such a great sermon. Uh, I, I think the line in there were, were that he said of, you can't change the world, but you can change the world you live in or something like that. That really just struck me. How each of us has an opportunity in our context where the Lord has placed us for a purpose and a reason to bring about change. And uh, we're so privileged in our context through a vehicle like Faith Promise to bring change. So um, yeah, just a great sermon, spoke a lot to me. Excellent, thank you, Pastor Louis. Ladies, don't forget about the webinar series, Women Who Pray, every Thursday during August. Next week, we have Garth and Nondomiso with us to speak about the support Faith Promise has provided our partner ministries. And we have another special guest speaker, Pastor Chris Matebula, the senior pastor and visionary leader of Hope Restoration Ministries. Don't miss out. And remember to give to see change. Blessings to you all.